Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Lost 
switched to Beverly, the question was, well, would Beulah still support us now that we have a building rather than we're in this other space and whatnot? And Beulah said, you know what, the building needs work. Um, the work continues. We still support you. We still believe in you guys. We're going to give you a generous gift of $60,000. That's awesome, right? Now, um, the question came up at our board meeting this week is how do we thank Beulah for that? Or how do we just show, demonstrate to them we are, we are very grateful for that gift? And one of our, our lead team members suggested, and this is what we're going to do, is that why don't we just put together a 10-second video from Crosspoint that just says, thank you, Beulah, and applause. And then I'm going to send the video to the board at Beulah. I'm also going to send it to Keith Taylor, who's a good friend of mine, and some of the pastoral staff there sent it to them as well. Just, just saying from us. So it's just not like a letter, but it's actually you can see faces of people saying thank you. And then we'll just send it off to them. And then after they get it, maybe we'll post it online as well. Because you know what? Uh, our hope is, is that um, good deeds generate more good deeds, right? That people see the generosity. We say around here a lot that what gets celebrated gets repeated. So as we celebrate the goodness of God at work in his people, we hope that it catches on and more and more people do what God asks us to do. So that's why we want to do it. But anyway, I want to put a video together. Can we put a video together? Is that okay? If, if you're in witness protection, just tuck your head, okay? Um, but uh, so I'm going to say is I'm going to say a few words and then I'm going to say and uh, everybody together we want to say and then you guys yell thank you and then applause. You want to practice that? Okay, so, so I'll go three, two, one. Uh, that's what I'll do. I'll do three, two, one, and then you, you go thank you and then applause. Okay, so let's practice that. Three, two, one. All right, that's good. All right, that's that's cool. Okay. Alright, uh, we're going to do this in one take, so, no, nobody's, yeah, can we bring up more lights on the, or, or bring down the spotlight, yeah, that's a good idea, because that, that's all those, can we bring down that spotlight up there, just push it over, oh, we got to do it manually, we are changing things this summer, so we're going to wire, that big one that's burning a wall in my head, yeah, just push that one. Sweet, thank you. Give Brandon a hand. All right. All right. All right, let's see if we can see. Oh, that's backwards. It's technology. All right. All right. Um, yeah, there. That's better. Okay. Can you all see yourself? All right. All right. Um, oops, that's a photo. Rookie move. Rookie move. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> look at the size of my head. All right. Okay, Beulah, this is Cross Point Church, and you guys gave us a generous gift of $60,000 to help us with uh, what we're doing here in Northeast Edmonton. We want to just say to you that uh, we're so encouraged by you coming alongside of us, believing in what God is doing in us and through us in this part of the city. And so together, as a community, we all want to say together, three,
this is how he ends his sermon. And this is where we pick it up uh, this week. So, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was
knows when this will happen. I mean, Jesus even said that. He said, I mean, no, nobody knows. Only the fa- my Father in heaven ultimately knows when this great final flood will come about. So, so Jesus may have had this in mind. He very likely did have this in mind. As a matter of fact, Jesus taught about this. If you fast forward in the Gospel of Luke to Luke chapter 17, Jesus is very explicit about this great final flood that is coming. Now, I, I've uh, I spent a lot of time this last week that the deadliest tsunami in recorded history took place on Boxing Day in 2004. Some of you might remember that. Um, it began when an underwater earthquake off the west coast of Sumatra went off, and this was a huge earthquake. It was a 9.9, a 9.1 in terms of its seismic reach, uh, reading. So it was a very big earthquake. And to put that into perspective, I mean, the, the energy that was produced by this one earthquake, they say, was equivalent to 1,500 atomic bombs that dropped on Hiroshima is equivalent to 1,500 of those going off at once. That's how much energy this earthquake created. Of course, when the earthquake went off underwater, it churned the water and brought the water forth, and the result was a number of different tsunamis that had hit um, all across the uh, Indian Ocean. So they it smashed into the landmass. Walls of water came about that were like 100 feet high, if you can imagine, 10 stories high. I think we have a picture up here. Uh, of what that looks like, of one of them. Nope. Uh, the other pictures. There it is. Okay. There it is. See that wall of water? See that building? That's how big it was. Uh, this tsunami that came in. As a result of this horrific, horrific tragedy, a quarter of a million people, 230 million people, lost their lives on that day. Now, what's fascinating, what's most fascinating about this uh, story, and perhaps one of the most tragic elements, is that there was actually a lag time of a few hours between the time that the earthquake quake went off and the time that the tsunami hit. But most of the people who died in the tsunami had no warning that it was coming. Um, part of the reason was um, it was too costly and it's too difficult to develop tsunami warning systems on the Indian Ocean. As a matter of fact, tsunamis on the Indian Ocean very rarely ever happen because it's technically not in the ring of fire. And so there was no warning. The only people who really survived were those kind of read some of the signs, like the, the tide going out very rapidly, and they were able to get uh, to safety, but for the most part, most people had no warning whatsoever that this wall of water was coming. And that's the thing about floods, is floods often catch us unawares. And, and we don't see them coming, and before we know it, suddenly they just hit us and knock us sideways. And so what Jesus is saying is that the best plan, the wise plan, is to prepare for the flood.
hit Gilcrest, it destroyed 99.5% of its property. Buildings were knocked off of its foundations. Most homes in the area were just simply swept away. Every home in that area was destroyed except for one home. One house survived, and they've given it a name. They've called it the last house standing. We got a before picture of Gilchrist. I just want to show you that today. Look at that. Beautiful. Hey, what a great place to live. Uh, hope they have air conditioning, but lovely. Okay? So that's before, and this is the after. Let's just look at the next picture. That's what's left. 200 homes just completely wiped out by hurricane, except the last house standing. Now, why did this home survive? Well, I think we know the reason it survived is because of the way this was built. See, most of the homes in the area were built with older building codes, um, and this one was built with newer wave building codes. This home was designed so that it was situated 22 feet above sea level. It was built on top of these huge 14-foot tall columns of wood, and these columns of wood were buried deep, 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 deep into the ground with a great cement foundation. And as a result, when the winds and the waves came in and destroyed the rest of the community, this house was left standing. Now, there was some internal damage to the house. Of course, the windows were broken, things came in, and the grandfather clock was destroyed, all sorts of things. But generally speaking, this house was the only one that survived. It was the last house standing. And I think this image here of this house is what Jesus is painting for us this morning. House could be us. And Jesus is asking the question, okay, how have you built your foundation? Have you dug deep down to find a stone and planted your house on that? Done the hard work of discipleship? Or have you just simply dropped your house on the house That's the question Jesus is asking. And that's the image that I, that I hope gets burned into my mind and my heart as I read this text. Now, how does this work then? I, I mean, how does it? How, how does this surrendered heart um, act as the foundation? You know, we talked about the two different floods uh, this morning. Uh, let's talk about the floods of life, okay? How does how does a surrendered heart help you in the floods of life? Well, when life hits you with a 100 foot wave, okay, what usually happens? It turns your life upside down. Everything falls apart. You feel pain and suffering. You are you are disoriented from the experience that you were going through. And ultimately, ultimately, because of it, you might even question God's goodness or His fairness. If you have no foundation, your spiritual house will be shaken, guaranteed. And it might even begin to be it. It could even be swept away. But if your life is surrendered to Christ before the waves hit you, when the waves hit you, because when the waves hit you, you know, you know you are not alone in the flood. You also know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the flood. He walks on water. He calms the seas. He can open the floodgates of heaven. Nothing is impossible for him. Because Jesus is the Lord of the flood as you go through the flood. And, I mean, we discover this when you read Psalm 124. Let's just read it together. I'll, I'll read it out loud. If the Lord had been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. The flood would have destroyed us if the Lord had not been on our side. The job loss would have engulfed us if the Lord had not been on our side. The cheating and lying and betrayal would have swallowed us alive if the Lord had not been on our side. The cancer, the cancer would have swept over us if the Lord had not been on our side. The betrayal, the loss, the letdown, these things, these things would destroy us if the Lord had not been on our side. See, when the flood rise, you have confidence and assurance because your heart 
day comes, okay, how does a surrendered heart, a surrendered heart, give us assurance on that day? Well, before we go there, okay, I, I do want to just stop for a moment and go on a little bit of a sidebar, okay, because I want to address this huge elephant that is often in the room when we have this type of a conversation, okay? And the elephant is a very uncomfortable topic of God's justice. I mean, if, you, if you're in church, uh, maybe for the first time in a long time, 
justice was on my terms, I would always find a loophole for myself. I don't know about you, but I would always be looking for the loophole. I would always be looking for a way out. And in the end, justice would simply fade away. Okay? Because the world would be awash with billions of loopholes for billions of people if justice was merely defined by people's own terms. Okay? People cannot determine their own justice. There has to be a higher court determining right or wrong. But to me, that's a challenge because I want an indeterminate justice. Now, all this to say, okay, would you today at least consider that it is not
nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. But, someone will say, and they'll say, well, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and shudder. So, so James is saying essentially this, faith without deeds is dead. You see, faith in Christ, James is saying, is more than just intellectual assent to an idea. It's, it's more than just a nod to God. It's more than an agreement on a set of beliefs or creeds. James is saying, you know, even the demons have that kind of faith, this intellectual assent to, to an idea. But what James seems to be saying is that genuine faith enters the heart, and ultimately it spills over in obedience. So the good works don't save us, but the good works demonstrate the authenticity of our faith. And again, we see, even here in James, this connection between good works and faith. I think the challenge that we face in our day is that there are many who have a misguided understanding of what faith means. And sometimes we, we reduce faith to an easy believism. Um, we reduce faith to a mantra or, or a saying or some kind of a magical prayer that we just kind of utter and repeat after somebody and suddenly presto that gets us into heaven. Kind of a like a warm sentiment on the side of a coffee mug. Right? That's what faith has kind of gotten reduced to, to many. But Jesus doesn't want to get us into heaven. Jesus wants to make heaven nice. Jesus wants to change us from the inside out. And genuine faith is transforming us, changing us to become more and more like him. So the starting point of our journey of faith how Paul puts it in the Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So it's important not only that we believe, but what's also important is what we Paul says, what we believe as believers in Christ, what we believe is that Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Because here's the thing, if you believe these things, if you believe that Jesus is the Lord of all, and, and if you believe that God raised him from the dead, then the implications of that truth change everything. They are far-reaching. Think about it. I mean, Jesus is the resurrected living Son of God. He's the one who defeated sin and hell and the grave. He's the one who gave his life up for the entire world. He is the Lord of all. And what Paul is saying, listen, if you believe that, if you believe that, it should change everything. And ultimately, when you believe that to be true in your heart, this kind of faith leads to surrender. First of all, it means surrendering your own attempts to save yourself. You realize that I'm just a drowning person in a flood. And there is no amount of thrashing that is going to rescue me. Instead, what I need to do is just surrender and let the lifeguard pull me ashore. This kind of surrender also means daily turning your heart to Christ. Right? 
second year in Moose Jaw, there was a flood in my hometown of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Um, there's a river that runs through Moose Jaw, Thunder Creek, and uh, it was a significant flood that was coming in, and it was any houses that were down in the river valley were facing impending doom. Okay, they were going to get washed out. Uh, a number of bridges, a couple of bridges got washed out during that flood, I remember. And it was a Friday night, and I caught wind of this on the radio, and I heard that the flood was going to reach its peak probably about, I don't know, supper time the next day. And we had youth group on a Friday night, and as youth group was over, I thought, hey, maybe, maybe we can do something a little bit different for youth group tomorrow. And so I said to a bunch of them, I says, hey, you guys want to go down to the river and sandbag houses? And of course, I thought, you know, this kid that was my least favorite event ever for our youth ministry. And as it turns out, about a dozen that question, the, 
Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.